Hello and welcome to the Grove Church Podcast. I'm Charlie Lofton, the lead pastor there, and we are so glad that you're joining us. Whether you are a member and you're just catching up on a sermon that you missed or you're someone who's brand new, we are really glad that you are joining us. And if you are new in some way, and I know that a lot of people will do that, will listen to sermons first before they visit, I want you to know that we would love to meet you at any point. You can join us live in our services on Sunday, 9 and 1030, or our streaming service at 1030. Either way, we would love to be able to get to know you. And regardless of why you are here uh, listening to this sermon today, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, good morning, everybody. Hey, if you are new, I'm Charlie, uh, the lead pastor here, and really glad that you are worshiping with us today. And I agree with Jason. Actually, super congratulations are in order. I mean, for willing to come out when you when you wake up and on whatever, you know, if you got a little, uh, an Alexa or you're on your phone or whatever, and look at the temperature is, and it says one. Like, that's not a, that's not a number. I mean, that's, that's, I, mean I guess it is, it is a number. It's not a temperature number, but you're here. And we have this longstanding joke that in inclement weather situations, or rare things that not only do you get your one regular point for church attendance, you get a bonus point. And I'd say if it's under five when you got up and came here, bonus points. You get two points today. Congratulations to all involved for getting double point, uh, being here on double point Sunday. Um, we are really, really glad that you are here. Again, especially if you're new, really glad that you have chosen to uh, worship with us today. Uh, we are and the second week of a series uh, called Devoted, Mark kicked it off last week, um, and we're looking forward to finishing it out here the rest of this month. And we kind of built this, Mark, Mark and I did, this series around this idea of being devoted from the great commandment, uh, where Jesus said this is the greatest commandment, to love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we're spending some time over each of these weeks talking about each one of those words. And Mark kicked it off last week with an incredible message about heart. What does it mean to love God with your whole heart? And this, this idea, it actually makes for a really tight, good kind of series, but only if you kind of did three. If you said, hey, we're going to talk about how to love God with your heart, with your mind, and your strength, because then it makes a lot of really good sense. Hey, I'm going to love God with my heart, kind of with, with, with my emotions. I'm going to love God with my with my mind, the way that I think. I'm going to love God with my strength, the things that I do. It makes a whole lot of sense. I'm going to love God with how I feel, with how I think, with how I do. It's a, it's a great series, but that's not, that's not it. That's not what he says. He says, you also, you have to love God with your, with your soul. But what, what, is, what does that mean? Most of you hear this word, we hear, we hear the word soul. You think, well, that's, that's the part of you that goes to heaven. So how do you love God with your soul, the part of you that goes to heaven? Well, I guess you just accept Jesus so you'll go to heaven. That's really not what soul means. Uh, that really, when, 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 when the word spirit gets used, that's really more often in the Bible what that means. What does soul even, what, is it, what, is it even, what does it even mean? How do we even put our, 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 our mind around this? And here's the thing I was thinking. Ian, it's double point Sunday. I got, I got up this morning, it said negative three. And I didn't like that. And you know who else really didn't like it? Uh, the Honda Civic. You got a Honda Civic out in your driveway. I don't got any other Honda Civics out of here. And that Honda Civic was like, <laughs> it cried. It cried. A little bit, I cried. And I really like cold. This Honda Civic couldn't handle it, right? What is it? Like, I think about, what is it made you get here today? Why are you, why, like, really, like, why are you here? 
Like, I know why I'm here. It's my job. That's why I came here. Why, why, like, like, what, like, what? Like, what is it that made you say, it does not matter that it is two. I'm, I'm coming here. You know, if, if we asked you, hey, what do you like about church? We would get a lot of different reasons. I always ask this in connections. You know, a lot of people will talk about the music. We'll talk about the friendliness of the people. They'll talk about, they'll talk about that they enjoy kind of the relatability very often of the messages, these kinds of things. These are the things that we like about the service. But what is it that brings you here? Is it just simply an enjoyment of music? A desire to learn something from the Bible? Is it to be around people? people? Yes and no. What I would like to suggest that there is something in you. There is a drive in you. There is something deep inside of you that is striving for deeper meaning and deeper connection in this world. There's a part of you that is completely and totally unsatisfied with the way that normal life works and you strive and crave deeper meaning, deeper connection. And so I, I don't think that if we really thought about it, I was like, why do you keep coming back? I don't know that many of us could really put our hand on it. I joke about double points, right? There was a time maybe for some of us, that's how I grew up. That's why I make the double points joke it as is. I had to, I have to, I have to, you have to. And that might be why some of us got in. That's not what keeps us coming back. There is, there's a need that we have. We were created for something deeper than just the monotony and regularness of life. Even people who would profess to be atheists and are living completely what they believe to be unspiritual lives have that same thing. They, 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 they're, not, they're not settling for it. They, they are striving for deeper meaning out of life too. There, there is a connection that they're wanting to make sense of the way that all of this works and to have purpose and drive and life. It is in there. It is, it is in there by design. And whatever this intangible thing is, however it is you would try to make sense of it, this is what we mean by soul. And if I were to give a more tangible definition to this, kind of the way that this word gets used in, in scriptures, I think the thing that I would, that, that would the, the best, some of the best definitions I've heard are, are, is the thing that makes you, you. What makes you, you versus being someone else? What makes us, us versus being animals? But then what makes you, you, it's not just your heart. It's not just your mind. It's both of those things. It's your personality. It's all of that kind of mixed up. And then there's that just uniqueness of you. And what God is saying here, what Jesus told us was that the greatest thing that you can do is to love God with your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. Not just simply how you feel, not just simply what you believe, and not what you do, all of those things and something else with this whole identity of who you are, this deeper part of you that longs to connect, love God with all of that.
So Mark kicked us off last week with a um, with a with a psalm, and we're going to do the same thing here today. We're going to be looking at Psalm 42. And if you were involved in church in any way in the 90s, and you remember the transition that we're all we're trying to make from more traditional music to kind of the worship choruses. As soon as I start reading Psalm 42, some of y'all are going to start singing, at least in your hearts. And if you would like to sing along outside as I'm reading it, you feel free to go right ahead. Some of you are not going to know what I'm talking about. Psalm 42, verse 1, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? Yeah, so that verse one there was a very popular worship chorus back in the day. As the deer pants for water, so my soul longs for you. It was King James Version. I'm not sure why it was King in the song was panteth, uh, longeth, those kinds of things. But the, the, the description here, what the psalmist is saying is that in the same way that a, that a, that a deer is desperate for water, has been running, is going, and is so desperate and so need and just needs water to, to quench a thirst. He is describing his soul as the same way. He's describing his soul as this kind of level of thirsty that if I don't have this, then I won't make it. This is him describing this thing that we're talking about, this, 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 this deep, deep desire for connection and realness and, and connection with God, that, that I don't have this. When I don't have it, it is like I am about to die of thirst. This is how my soul feels when I'm not connected with you, God. My soul thirsts. And he asks this kind of rhetorical question. When can I go meet with God? When do I get to take a drink? I am so thirsty. I feel so disconnected. I need this. So we get this picture here in these first couple of verses, kind of what this deep longing is. This really, I think, a very vivid description of both the soul of, of who you are and what a connection with God could look like. And so we put this definition together and we kind of see this little intro to this idea of the, what that longing kind of looks like. And we go back to, to, to the New Testament where Jesus, when he says the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. One of the greatest things that you can do is to love God with your soul. And so before we kind of talk a little bit more about what that looks like, there's, there's a thing that I want you to hear that I think is of incredible importance. God wants you to love him with, the, with, with your soul, with this thing that defines you, this thing that is who you are, this thing that makes you you, this thing that makes you unique. And I want you to hear me say this, that what God wants, that God wants a soul connection with you. Because I think there are two truths that are kind of, they can feel contradictory. And as I say them and I talk about it, it's going to feel that way. And as we can kind of continue on through the message, you're going to be like, but I thought you said, and we're going to be trying to figure these two things out. Because we spend a lot of time, and rightly so, talking about what sin does. 
Sin is brokenness. It is brokenness. It has broken your relationship with God and that Jesus needs to come in and make you new. He needs, you need to be renewed. Old things are made new. Dead things come to life. Broken things are repaired. Sick things are healed. There's a lot of this imagery to describe what happens when God does that awesome work inside of you. He makes you new. But I don't want you to hear me say or anyone say that you need to be someone different than you. God uniquely made you and he loves you. And when he sees your soul and the very essence of who you are, he loves that and wants to connect with you. And he wants you to love him back with that. Sure, we need repair. We need renewal. It, it, is, it is broken. It is, it is damaged. It needs to be healed. It needs to be made new. It needs to be resurrected. It needs those things. But that's not the same as that God wishes you were a different person. Because I think there are way too many of us that believe we can never be good enough. I can never be smart enough. I'm too emotional. I'm not emotional enough. I don't think the way that they do. I don't act the way that they do. I don't process the way that they do. That you can just feel weird and your weirdness is wrong and God is waiting for you to be somebody other than who you are and then he'll love you as opposed to he loves you. But we gotta do something about the 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 brokenness and the yuck in you. And I want you to figure out the difference between these two things. That yes, I need my sin forgiven and, and, the, and the broken dark parts of my heart need renewal in life. And God looks at you and who you are and says, I love, I love them. I I want this. In fact, I place in them, as the creator, I placed in them this desire to connect with me because that's what I want, a heart-on-heart a -heart connection with them. As I was thinking about this, I was thinking about some things that have happened between my wife, Heidi, and I. And for those of you who don't know, we're about to celebrate um, this, uh, early this summer. I guess it's technically late spring, but we're going to celebrate our 30th wedding anniversary. So we've been together for quite some time. And there's just a, a, a thing that we've got going. And we were at a basketball game a couple of weeks ago, and it was in the afternoon, so we're going to eat dinner afterwards. And as we're getting closer to the end, Heidi looks at me and she says, hey, where are we going to eat? And I don't know if you've been, if you, even if you're not married, but certainly if you're married, you've been married more than one day. I mean, that is just, it, it can be an overwhelming, stressful conversation. What, what, what do I want for dinner? But eventually you get married long, like, you, just, you, just, you just know what it is. Where, where are we going to eat? And at this moment, I looked at her and I said, you know where we're going to eat. She's like, what do you mean? It's like, you already know. You absolutely know. There's only one choice, and we know where we're going to eat. And I said, what do you mean? And I said, hold on. I pulled out my phone. I typed in one word in my notes app, but I put it back in my pocket. I said, you know where we're going to eat. Let's just say it so you can go. And she goes, Feltner's? And I pulled out my phone, opened it up, one word, Feltner's. Like, of course, that's where we're going to eat. So, and I explained to her all the reasons why of what everything that she was thinking that led her to that process of why that was the only place. We couldn't be, we didn't want to be on the south side of town because of all the game traffic, but she wanted something quick because we needed to be done by a particular certain time. And we just had had Mexican food and just had had pizza very recently. And that's all that was left was burgers. And the only burger you like around here is Feltner's. And so that is clearly where we were going to go. And then it happened again 
on Friday, she had been having a really stressful week at work and I got home and Layla was gone. And so the two of us are going to grab an early dinner and she looked at me and I swear to you, she says, so I don't even need to say it, do I? And I was like, absolutely you don't. And I got in the car and we drove to Mojitos and <laughs> she, I mean, it was just, it was just, it was just known. And then last night uh, we were hanging out, Layla again, she's very busy now. She had another, a little event and we got home from dropping her off at this thing we just kind of looked at each other like, what are, what are we going to do? And with minimal communication, I sat down and started working on my 3,000-piece puzzle that I've got on the dining room table. And she got her laptop, and she sat down next to me and started obsessing about all the restaurants' choices that she has for the anniversary trip that we're going on here in a couple of months. And she's just frantic about it because she can't pick. She can't pick. She can't pick. And I'm sitting here working on a puzzle. She would never work on a puzzle on her own, and she knows that deep down, I don't really care where we eat. Wherever, wherever is fine with me, but I'm not asking her to be something different. I think it's incredibly cute how she just, this is just so important to her, and I'm excited about wherever it is that we go, and every now and then I'd be like, hey, I need you to come over here and be impressed by what I just did over here on the puzzle. She would come over there, man, that is impressive, and they would just sit down and go back. It's like, have you made a decision yet? Like, no! I'm like, okay. And then we're just having a great time. And we barely talked for two hours. And I'm not asking her to be somebody different. I don't care about food. Why don't we just eat chicken strips all the time like me? I, I'm not asking her to be different. And thankfully, in her obsessing, she's not making me go places that don't at least have one thing on the menu that I'll eat, being having the taste buds of a nine-year-old boy. And she doesn't think, she probably does. She probably thinks it's a little weird that I'm sitting here with a, with a big puzzle. You're probably also thinking, I'm sorry, did he just say puzzle? Yes, I said puzzle, leave me alone. I'm not asking her to be somebody different than what she is. And I, she's not asking me to be somebody different than what I am. But we're connected. And we're becoming better versions of ourselves every day through that love and connection that we have for each other. And God looks at you and he wants to connect with you. He knows your quirks. He knows your weird personality. He knows that you're very different than the other people around you. And in all the ways that you feel isolated and weird from other people, God's like, well, that's, that, that's, 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 my, that's my fun little quirk that I, 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 gave, I gave you that. And I love that about you. And together with your connection with him, you are going to become a better version of yourself every day. And he is constantly renewing these broken and dangerous, sinful parts of you. But he loves you and wants a connection with you. Verse 5, Psalm 42. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you. From the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mazar, deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. He starts by just talking about how overwhelmingly thirsty he is that his soul is very, very thirsty. Now he asks this kind of rhetorical question. Why are you downcast, soul? 
Why are you so disturbed inside me? And he says, I need to put my hope in God. My soul is downcast within me. Verse six, therefore I will remember you. So something has gone on in his life that has made him realize his hope is someplace else. Something is going on in his life where he seems to have forgotten and that he needs to remember God. He needs to put his hope back in God. His soul is thirsty. His soul is longing. His soul is downcast. His soul is confused because it, is, it has been looking for that deep connection someplace else. Life has hit him in such a way where this thing that I was striving for, this thing that I wanted, that I needed, that, was, that, that, that I was longing for, did what it always does. It disappointed. And now I am hopeless. And now I am downcast. And now I am overwhelmingly thirsty. And he needs to remember So he's in this situation where yet again, as so many of us are, we have pointed our soul, we have directed our soul at something, something less than, something other than the one that it was created to connect with. And so I ask you this question, what is your soul chasing? What is it chasing? What is your soul chasing? There's something. There is something that your soul is striving for. And you're here today, and again, I mentioned it. You're here today in part because like a magnet, your soul is striving for the connection with God that comes from being with other people, by worshiping together, by hearing, by hearing from God's word. Your, your soul is drawn here. And so I don't want to say that well, it's obviously all bad things, right? But there's, I think for all of us, in addition to our soul chasing after God, there's something else. There's almost, there's almost always something else that our soul gets distracted by that we think, here's where I'm going to be able to find capital L life. I, I, if I can just be good enough, loved enough, strong enough, rich enough, powerful enough, right enough, win enough, that then my soul will be satisfied. And so there's a striving that we have. And as I've been processing it this week, I think I really have just come to the realization that that thing, when my soul moves off of real connection with God, it really... It's about pleasing people. I need, at least I feel like I need, I need people to like me. I need, I need people to love me, to think that I'm good and you want me around. And, and it really is like when people get mad at me, it's like it just kind of turns me kind of like, no, I don't, I don't want that. And I work really hard to make, to make sure that that doesn't happen. And then, and then, and then here's the thing that I've realized. And I, boy, you, bro, you just chose the, exact wrong job, bro. You just chose the wrong job. Like you just like, you're not very, you should have figured it out earlier because as a living a, even a, a semi-public life, there are lots of opportunities 
and some good and some bad for people to criticize me. Right? And uh, just criticism is a part of it. It is, a, it is a feature, not a bug. And every now and then I initiate it. Every now and then I have to come to people and say, hey, here's something you don't want to hear. And then I say it to them. Sometimes in a broad context like this, sometimes in smaller context, sometimes right to your face. This is the job that I have and I don't like it. And so I compensate for it with jokes. I don't know if you've noticed that. Anytime, anytime I say something that, that, that I don't think I, I want to say, I'll, I'll kind of, you know, you know, put candy around the pill and try to give it to you in a way where you're not going to like it, but you're still going to like me. And so next week, next week, next week, there, there, there's some things that we're going to say. We're talking about what does it really mean to love God with your mind? There's something that I'm going to say that I'm not going to say all of you aren't going to like, but there, I, I know, knowing that there are going to be a few people who's like, I didn't, I didn't like that. And then as I explain what I'm going to say, here are some examples of what I mean by this. And, and once I start talking, we're not going to like this either. By the, by, the time, by the end of this, maybe no one likes it, right? It's, it's going to be tough. And I, have, I mean, I've already, I've already know exactly how I'm going to say it, and it's going to be funny. And, and, and that's just kind of what I am because there's this thing that is in me. And even just talking about it with you makes me feel uncomfortable. It's my soul striving for something other than the thing that it was designed for. And it, and it always goes wrong because I'm a, I'm a mess. You're a mess. We're all a mess. And people are always, we're always letting each other down. There's always conflict. You can't live a life void of conflict. That's not real life. And my soul is looking for deeper meaning in a place where it is impossible to find. And it is no different than those of us who are trying to accumulate wealth and status because we've all lived enough life to know that there is never enough wealth or status to satisfy. You can't be right enough. You can't be good enough. You can't be powerful enough. You can't be comfortable enough. But we chase. And then one day we wake up and we're very thirsty and our soul is downcast within us. And then what does he say? Then I will remember you. I will put my hope in God. So the same thing that he is saying to his own soul, I say to you, put your hope in God. Re-aim your soul away from these things in life that are constantly pulling and dragging us in all of these different directions and trying to find meaning in things that only disappoint, that only fall short, that only give small bursts of adrenaline and energy and meaning, but then always fall off. Let us reorient our soul for deep connection with God. There's a phrase here that is just, I, I, I just love and if there's, like, if there's anything like, I would want to say, he's like, I'm not going to tell you what this means. Maybe just try to figure out what it means. Verse seven, deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. Deep calls to deep. There's a depth that is striving for deep connection. There's a depth that is calling out for depth. That yeah, it's just it's not it's not it's not here. It's only here. 
And God sees this. God sees our souls striving after all these things. And he sees the brokenness that comes from sin. He sees all of that. He sees our striving. He sees our wandering, our flailing. And and this is the essence of what the gospel is about. He saw the brokenness that we caused from our sin that has got our soul completely and totally disoriented. And he looked at you and he looked at each of us and said, I love them. And I want that connection with their souls. I created them to connect with me soul to soul. And I want that and they can't find it and they can't overcome their own brokenness. They cannot do anything about their sin, but I can. And he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to fix that brokenness, to make you new to reorient your soul to him so that at the deepest parts of who you are, you could have the connection that your soul is striving for. And so when we embrace this gospel, the forgiveness that comes through the death of Jesus Christ, all the yuck and weirdness and, and of life, all of the disappointments, all the ways that we get that, that, can get us going wrong all sorts of different ways. All, all of that's gone. doesn't matter. And my soul can be right with God through his son, Jesus Christ. I can be forgiven. I can be made new so that the deepest longings of my soul can be satisfied by a deep to deep connection with God. And so if you've never experienced the reality of that gospel, that first time where you really experience forgiveness and the healing that comes from believing in the gospel, it is our prayer that 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 could be true of you today, that you could believe in who Jesus Christ is and receive this gift that he's giving you. And for those of us who are on the other side of that, so often we have such distracted souls and we're thirsty and maybe we're not even at the point where we're completely aware of it yet. Let us put our hope in God. Let us let the deep call out to deep. Let us remember. Let us point our soul in the striving for depth and connection. Let us point it to the only place that satisfies and the God of the universe through his son, Jesus Christ. And so we have different ways to kind of respond to this. And as your soul is striving for this connection, that's one of the primary reasons why we worship is for our soul to connect with the awesome creator God of the universe. We also have opportunities in the back. There are people that can pray with you. There's lots of different ways to respond. You can pray at a cross, There's prayer candles. There's communion that is available where you can remember and reflect on what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross. You can stand, you can sit, you can kneel. There's lots of postures and lots of activities, lots of things that we can do and lots of ways to do it. But let us spend these next few minutes 
pouring out our souls to connect with God. Let me pray. God, I thank you that you did not leave us here striving, confused and wandering and pointed in who knows what direction, trying to find little bits of life here and there. The God that you did not leave us overwhelmed in our sin and our brokenness. But God, that you sent your son to renew us, to give us life, to give us a soul level connection, to give us hope in this life and in the next. And so God, wherever it is our souls are striving right now, whatever it is we're chasing, God, I pray that we could walk out of here with our hope in you. And that over the next few minutes, God, that our souls would connect with you and that we could be renewed, reoriented and connected to life through your son, Jesus Christ. And it is in his name that we pray, amen. Thanks again for joining us on our sermon podcast and you can learn more about us at thegrovechurch.org. And if you go to thegrovechurch.org slash connect, there's a form you could fill out. Just let us know that you've been listening. And if you want to dig deeper on some of these topics that we cover in our sermon podcast or just in other issues of dealing with culture or theology, those kinds of things, uh, you can check out our Cultivate podcast, which is on the same feed, um, however you found this particular podcast. So again, this is Charlie, the lead pastor at The Grove, and thank you so much for joining us.